Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. We're in Torah portion number 23 this week, uh, the last uh, chapters of the book of Exodus. And it's, it's rather interesting uh, because the book of Exodus uh, continues on describing uh, all these minutiae of detail about the tabernacle. And there's a message in that. Uh, in that why would God spend so much time on, he didn't spend that much time on creation. He didn't spend that much time on a lot of other topics. And yet, when it comes to the tabernacle, why is God drilling down deep and deeper and deeper into what's in the tabernacle? Because there's a spiritual truth and a spiritual message that we're going to get to. And it's partly why I entitled this lesson plan today, Have You Taken Your Spiritual Inventory Lately? So uh, I thought I'd start out a little bit different today with a story about a very wealthy man who dies and he leaves two wills. One was to be opened on the day of his death and the other one was to be opened 30 days after the funeral. Now in the first will, he commands his family to do just one thing. Bury me with my socks on. <laughs> All right. We can, we can do that. Or can we? Uh, it's the strangest thing anyone had ever heard of and really completely out of character for this guy. But nevertheless, the family feels obligated to fulfill his wish. And so they ask the Jewish burial society to leave him with his socks on. Unfortunately, they were met with tremendous resistance. There's rules in Jewish law about how one is buried. And one of those rules is you're to be buried without any of the luxuries or fineries and even your clothes, just a a, a, a white robe. And so the funeral center said, "Uh uh-uh. And no matter how high they went up in the community, they, uh, uh, their request was repeatedly denied. So the funeral happens. And then when 30 days are up, there's a tremendous unease at the opening of the second will. Everyone knew they didn't fulfill the first will. So people are thinking, oh, all this wealth, and uh, he might have, uh, you know, we and are we going to uh, be in the will or kicked out of the will for what we did or didn't do? Uh, and uh, so nothing could have prepared them for what they heard. So they opened the will, and it's read, by now you have realized it wasn't possible to bury me with my socks on. Therefore, I now bequeath to you all of my worldly fortune. But you need to take this lesson with you. You can't even uh, take your socks with you, let alone your wealth. Amen. 
So make sure you use this money wisely and invest it in the things that build the kingdom of God and are a blessing to others. Because you can't take it with you. Not even your socks. The only thing you can take with you is your good name, your integrity, and your record of good deeds. All right. So, what a shocking impact that must have made on those that are sitting there listening to the reading of the will. And it's so true, there's no U-Hauls attached to a hearse. Right? But the good news is, you can store up treasure in heaven. The righteous life you live. The good deeds that you and I do to be a blessing to others. The unsaved or the hurting people that we pray for and minister to are all things that create treasures in heaven. How many of you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6? Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now what does Jesus know? Because moth and rust will destroy those things. And thieves will break in and steal those things. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys. And where thieves do not break in and steal. That's the word of the Lord. Amen. And so... What Jesus is telling us is that believers, do we have any believers in the house today who are on their way to being disciples? We're supposed to be going through a transformation process, right? And that transformation process is in part where we're shifting our priorities from solely pursuing earthly things, earthly treasures, and focusing on storing up treasures in heaven. Now look, this isn't a sermon against accumulating wealth. All right? Uh, But it's just that it's not our top priority. Those things are going to happen in our lives. The abundant life is going to manifest uh, as a seed grows. And eventually there's a harvest and another harvest. And, a, and so over time, you're the, the blessed life, the quality life, the abundant life continues to improve. But that's a byproduct of us putting God first. And seeking first the kingdom of God which is, uh, in a big way, laying up treasures in heaven. See, the Bible teaches there's uh, a doctrine uh, about deceitfulness of riches. And wealth can become a, a snare when pursuing wealth is more important than pursuing the Lord. It's not wrong. But we have to understand those priorities and we have to evaluate that by where's all our money going. 
I got a car payment, a boat payment, a house payment, a second house payment. I've got a vacation fund. I've got a clothes fund. I've got seven credit cards that are maxed out with steak dinners and trips to Nordstrom and yada, yada, yada. And then when it comes time to giving to the Lord, I ain't got no money left. So here's $5, Lord. (laughs) If you can't say amen, just say owe me. (laughs) And it's equally true when we're spending our time and when we're using our talent. It's not just money. It's time, talent, treasury. Uh, Look, there's 168 hours in a week. If we're giving God one hour out of those 168 and you are going to kind of keep score, it's 167 for the world and one for God. In football terms, that's a massacre. Why are people being massacred? Because they're out of whack. There's not the proper balance. And God is saying, let's, let's take an inventory of some of these things. I'll show you more of that in just a minute. Uh, look, we can ill afford as disciples of Jesus Christ to give our best to the world and then give our leftovers to God. Is someone with me today? Amen. Amen. Now I know I'm speaking to the choir here. No one gets up before the sun comes up and gets dressed and drives a long ways to come to a Torah study at 9 a.m., all right? And, but we've got a lot of people that thought, hey, that's important to me. Because I'm pursuing the things of God. I'm a God chaser. Jesus shared the story of the rich young man in Matthew 19. And he prioritized being rich in this world over being rich towards God. Okay? And the issue wasn't that he was rich. The issue was that he treasured his riches more than he treasured what he could do with those riches in building the kingdom of heaven. Okay. So what did Jesus tell this young man? Sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. How many of you want treasure in heaven? Well, the young man left Jesus... And he was none too happy because he was very rich and he didn't like the idea of giving it all away. He, he forgot about the seed sowing principle. If the Lord was asking him to give something over and above what he would normally think about giving, and in this case I want you to give it all, It wasn't because God's a taker. He had a great harvest for him. He just couldn't see that because his eyes weren't on heavenly things. His eyes were on earthly things. He chose money over God. And so the message here is that earthly treasure, temporary. (laughs) Heavenly treasure, eternal. (laughs) Do you see that today? So while we should want to excel in business and finance, and I know many of us are, many of us have that vision, that plan for excelling, achieving, accomplishing great things, 
And the outcome of all of that isn't so we can build bigger barns and hoard it all and just keep it for ourselves and spend it in ways we mentioned earlier. Say amen, somebody. (laughs) Amen. But all of our success, all of our desire to accomplish, to build a business, to accumulate a nice retirement fund that the government's not going to take away. (laughs) Amen. That needs to be grounded in heavenly purposes. That's really how you safeguard your earthly stuff is you keep sowing into Israel. You keep sowing into the less fortunate. You keep being a blessing to others. And those are the kinds of things that uh, save you from death. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm not sure if I believe that, Pastor Scott. Well, as Jesus uh, says, he says, What does it profit a man... If he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. There's nothing wrong with being for yourself. But if that's all you are, is for yourself, you're missing the point of Christianity. And part of that is where tithing and offerings come in and sowing good seed into good soil, into charitable causes. And, uh, but it's also how you're spending your time. Why make Netflix rich? Why make pay-per-view rich? <laughs> if we give more for pay-per-view to watch a fight than we do in the Sunday morning offering, is that the right priority? got to check that out, or you might be in danger of losing your own soul. But the good news is, there's a blessing in one of my favorite scriptures. It was one of Owen's favorite scriptures. There's a blessing that comes from the Lord that maketh a man or a woman rich, but it adds no sorrow to it. That's what we're talking about. Amen? So we need to focus on things of heaven. Do we have that? All right. So this is the backdrop for one of the great teachings in this week's Torah study. And it it's, begins in Exodus thirty-eight twenty-one. You can turn over there. And it says, this is the inventory of the tabernacle, the tabernacle of the testimony which was counted. All right. Now, I want you to notice that God uses the word tabernacle back to back. And how many of us realize that from Pastor Larry's teaching, that when we see words mentioned back to back, it's not that God is being redundant, is that He wants to show us a secret. I've got a secret. Who was the guy that hosted that show way back? I've got a secret. Here's the thing, is that God wants us to understand that there's a physical inventory that God is talking about in the first mention of tabernacle, but it's an allusion to a second accounting. 
A second inventory, a spiritual accounting of our lives. How we're living and how we're using our time, talent, and treasury. Oh, what are those rabbis always get? They go from ministry to meddling. (laughs) Hey, look. You don't want to show up at heaven's gates and not having known this stuff. Because you might be in for a big surprise. You, you want to hear, well done, <laughs> thou good and faithful servant. You don't want to be in the line where it's, ow! <laughs> you made it into heaven, but you had, ow! <laughs> All right. I don't know if that's exactly how that works. <laughs> but I'm not taking any chances. All right. How many of you realize that we're the temple of the Lord? The Bible teaches us that, right? Know ye not, know ye not, you are the temple. We're many tabernacles. And so the Lord is saying in this lesson uh, that we need to take stock of our lives, our priorities. Are we living life solely for ourselves? What, what's the middle letter of sin? Yeah, eye disease. What's what's the middle letter of pride? I, yeah. You get so eye-focused, you get eye disease, and you don't have that 20-20 spiritual vision, you're looking at the wrong stuff. Alright? And so, the Lord teaches us this because He loves us, and He wants to keep us on track. He wants, look, God keeps good books. There's books in heaven? Yeah. Ever heard of the book of life? (laughs) Oh, that's just fictional. Okay. (laughs) Proceed with that thought at your own risk. (laughs) One day we're going to stand before the Lord, right? And books are going to be open. Our resume is going to be reviewed. (laughs) And our lives are going to be judged. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says we must all stand before Christ to be judged. And we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil based on what we have done while on earth. All right. Uh, Could we pass out the uh, uh, whiteout? We have people that want to wipe that Scripture out in their Bibles. Hey, look, the good news is is that judgment can be a good thing or a bad thing. Right? If you're in a a civil case and there's a a million dollars of restitution at stake and you have a million dollars coming to you, the judge can rule in your favor and say... Boom! You get the million bucks. All right? That's a good judgment. And when we get to heaven, how many of us want to have that good judgment where we don't get the book thrown at us? (laughs) We get the blessing thrown at us. (laughs) All right. Well, there's things that have to happen. Right? That just doesn't happen because you're so cute and nice. 
Now, I know you're cute and nice, but you need to have a record of good deeds, a record of being a blessing, a record of tikkun olam, repairing or healing a broken world. And so from time to time, we need to take a personal inventory of how we're doing. What are we doing right? What could we do better? How's that? If, if we overlook things, if we're afraid of assessing our life, uh, then we're not going to make the kind of progress we could be making. You can't have the ostrich sy- uh, syndrome where you stick your head in the sand. I don't want to know. I hear no ears. You know, <laughs> All right. And look, it, why is being self-aware a bad thing? We should all want to be self-aware. You don't want to be the last to know. (laughs) That's one of the reasons we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't want you to be the last to know. You're messing things up. (laughs) And He'll hold us accountable for our actions. You get those nagging, gnawing feelings. Right? And usually God is patient and long-suffering as we stupidly go on our own way and forget the principles of God. But He is long-suffering. He is very patient. He's not wanting anyone to miss out on the good things He's promised. So He gives us lots of time to do what the Beatles saying. We can work it out. Let's work this thing out. All right? And so, this is what the Holy Spirit comes to do to convince us or convict us of sin. Sin isn't just robbing banks and shooting heroin. All right? Sin is a little more, whatever is not of faith is sin. Yeah, so if we're just out there pursuing, you know, worldly things and we're not plugging in, to what uh, we need to be doing. Are you about your father's business? And so the Holy Ghost will come and he'll mention, of course, my wife mentions this too, my weaknesses. (laughs) Thank God for spouses. (laughs) But we all have uh, shortcomings, right? We all have things we're working on. There's soft spots in our personality, in our character. And uh, especially in the area of good deeds, good works, we need to be involved in those things. Now, this might seem strange if you've come out of uh, church doctrine that teaches there's nothing you have to do. That's very common these days. There's nothing I have to do. You expect me to do something? And I heard it described uh, one day, and it was really fascinating, a very godly person had said, I come out of a uh, background where trying to do things is striving, where you're striving, and striving was perceived to be like, you're trying to do something on your own efforts. No, I'm not. I got the the Holy Spirit shed abroad in my heart. The love of God is in me and it's compelling me to get out of my own life and move beyond and do some things to be a blessing to others. 
That's not a bad thing. It's a God thing. How can being motivated or how can it be you're striving or motivated to become a better version of yourself be a bad thing? All right. So for those that uh, disagree, let's look at Philippians 2.12. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Boy, that kind of it goes against that. What do you mean work hard? I ain't working hard. I'm going to sit here on my rusty dusty and wait till Jesus comes. Okay, well, let's see how that strategy works out. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. And so you don't want to be the guy or the gal that when it's all said and done, there was a lot more said than done. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Amen. Right? So there's two aspects of serving God here. We work hard for Him to show the results of our salvation, which is living a godly life and being a blessing, being a light to the world. The other side of the same coin is that God is working in you to accomplish that. Amen. Amen. How many of you feel the presence of God working in your life? You know when you hear the Lord motivating you, inspiring you, encouraging you. Keep going, son. Keep going, daughter. You're doing good. Stay on the right track. Amen. Amen. And that's what the Holy Ghost is for. That's what the anointing is for. Look at Acts 10.38. Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. What a partnership. Father, I receive your anointing. I pray for an outpouring of your power in your life so I can be like Jesus and go around and do good and bring healing and blessing to the people that are snared by the devil. Thank you for being with me and confirming the word as I do it. Acts 10, 38. Praise God. In describing how true faith in God is expressed. How many of you know Jesus had a half-brother? A step-brother, as it were. We call him a step-brother. James. His name really wasn't James. It was Jacob, Yaakov. Uh, King James in 1611, when he wrote the King James Bible, uh, figured, since I'm the king, I'm going to have a book of the Bible named after me. And Jacob, (laughs) you are now James. (laughs) Imagine how you you start to wonder, well, what other things were going on? (laughs) All right. But uh, 
Pastor James, who's the first pastor of the New Covenant Church in Jerusalem, uh, wrote in James 2.17, Faith by itself isn't enough. I believe faith by itself isn't enough. But I believe, what more do you want? Faith by itself isn't enough. But, but I, I said the altar call prayer, what do you expect? Faith isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Uh, do we have any more of that white out? <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, well, that's just one. You're just giving me one scripture. Okay, I'll give you another. Galatians 6:10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good. There's probably no opportunity between now and next year. <laughs> no one's going to ever need anything from you between now and 2023. Huh? There's opportunities galore. The, wheel, the, the fields are white unto harvest, Jesus said. So when we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. How's my sister doing? How's my brother doing? Oh, let me call, send a text, pray a prayer. Let's uh, do this, that, or the other thing to be a blessing. Family of God. All right, well, uh, you're just trying to trick me. All right. How about Ephesians 2.10? We are God's masterpiece. Praise God. Yeah. God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Long ago. Long, long time ago. (laughs) God planned for you before you were born some of the unique and special things that you would do as part of planet earth. You're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You have a mission to accomplish. Good things have already been predestined for you to accomplish. That's why you're created. That's why we're born again. Uh, I'm still skeptical. All right, go to Titus 3.14. This is Paul speaking to Pastor Titus. Pastor Titus, have our people learn to apply themselves to doing good deeds. What's up with this? Uh, Paul, if if we were going to negate doing good things, then Paul sure blew it here. Paul, you need to come back and rewrite the Bible. People need to learn to apply themselves to doing good deeds that meet genuine needs so that they will not be unproductive. Man, that's the last thing you want to hear when you walk through the pearly gates. Scott, (laughs) what a shame, man. All that potential you had and you were just unproductive. You buried your talent. You wasted your time, your talent, your treasury. Dude, what were you thinking? Get in that line, the ouch line. (laughs) Ouch! Okay. 
That's why there's tears in heaven. Because we end up seeing, oh my gosh, what could I have done if I would have just applied myself on the things of God? But I was too busy, what? You know, chasing an earthly dream, but missing out on the eternal things. All right. So, have you taken your spiritual inventory lately? (laughs) How are we doing in being a light to the world? In reality, in the Christian life, there's two factors at work. God's divine grace wants to empower you to be the best you can be. But He needs your contribution of human effort. Divine grace, human effort. Right? We're partners together. And it's a holy partnership. Look at 1 Corinthians 3. In verse 6. I planted the seed in your heart. And Apollos watered it. So I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God that made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. Just do something. Plant, water, get busy doing something. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. Work together with the same purpose. I need to be doing stuff for God. And both, it says, verse 8, will be rewarded for their own hard work. Amen. Amen. And some of that reward is down on the ground while we're still around, right? Yeah. There will be some earthly blessing, but even if there was no earthly blessing in the deal, like if the only reason that Jesus came was to forgive you of your sins, and that's the only thing you get out of it, eternal life. You don't get abundant life. You only get eternal life. Between now and then, you just need to suffer and just accept your lot in life and don't strive to do anything. That's not a good doctrine, is it? Because God said that I will bless you here on earth, down on the ground while you're still around. I pray above all things that you be in health and prosper, even as you're... But you need to figure this thing out. Use your thinking, your intellect, your, your Holy Ghost thinking, the mind of Christ to figure out how are my priorities penciling out here where am i really doing things for god and where is it just all about me all right and the reward for our effort whether we're planning or watering is earthly and heavenly treasure here's the deal you know what god is saying is be a good samaritan remember that parable be a good samaritan right Right, Go out of your way to be a blessing from time to time. You don't have to be captain of the universe. Right? Not every need in the world is up to you to solve, but those things that are quickened in your heart where you feel, you know what? I need to take care of this one. God, I'll, I'll take care of that. 
Amen? The second time the Lord uses the word tabernacle, he includes the word testimony. In today's vernacular, what's a testimony? Well, I'm glad you thought that question. Especially in a court of law, it's a a written deposition, it's a spoken statement, you're a witness and you testify. You're testifying and that's considered evidence. That's considered proof that verifies some things. It validates some things. And this is what God is asking us to do with the tabernacle of testimony. He's asking us to review our lives and make sure that we as tabernacles of God have a testimony. That there's evidence in our lives that we've been with the Lord. And it's not only the Holy Spirit that shows us this stuff. Uh, God has appointed times. You've been around. You can't, how many of you know about Elul and the blowing of the shofar? It's a call to return to the Lord. Return to your first love. Return to the priorities of putting God first. Because Rosh Hashanah is coming. The books are open. <laughs> And then in God's mercy and grace, He gives us ten days to Yom Kippur before things are sealed. Why not have a good thing, a good judgment sealed in your name? Well, you can have that. But it begins with taking some account, uh, an inventory of how am I doing? What am I doing right? What could I be doing better? When I first got saved, One of the uh, scriptures that really ministered to me, because I had uh, a a whole lot of changing to do, was 2 Corinthians 13.5. And it says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. All right, man in the mirror, how we doing? Test yourselves, it goes on. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. He's watching. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Hey, I spent a life mocking Christians, 17 years mocking church, running from God. And when I got saved, I didn't get saved because I needed a crutch. I wasn't trying to opt out of life. I was trying to gain the higher life. And the last thing I wanted to do was be disqualified because of my attitude, behavior, and conduct. And yet my whole life, from the time in junior high until I was 30 years old, stupid, stupid, stupid. (laughs) Right? I did everything wrong. And... uh, uh, now that I pledged my life to the Lord, I wanted to make sure I got things right. I didn't need religion. I wasn't looking for an hour in uh, the Lutheran church. <laughs> okay? I was looking for a life-changing, life-transforming experience. Thank God I got saved in a Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, Bible-thumping, pew-jumping, praise-giving church. 
I don't think I would have made it in a traditional church setting. So, uh, in closing today, I put together a sample list of how to evaluate yourself. Now, you make your own list. This is just a partial list. It could be 101 things, 1,001 things. But I just put together 14 things, 7 plus 7. I want a double blessing here. And so this is a sample list of what that evidence looks like. Okay, how do I evaluate myself? How do I take a spiritual inventory? Number one, are you loving God and loving people more this year than last year? Okay, are you steadily learning to put God first in your time, talent, and treasury? Are we doing that? You might need to dig a little deeper there. Number three, have you learned that a big part of your destiny is to repair a broken world? What's the will of God for my life? I don't know. Repair a broken world. Just pick up your cross and start sacrificing your life to be a blessing for others doesn't have to be million-dollar things. You know, you need a jump? I got cables. You're in the hospital? Here's an encouraging text. You a little short this week and need some groceries? I can help with that. And on and on and on. Number four, are you still willing to sacrifice things for the cause of Christ? Don't have time. I had that money planned for something for me. Uh, Yeah. Okay, next. Have you learned that being a blessing to others is the key to being blessed? All right. Have you learned to take responsibility for your life instead of blaming others? If it's to be, it's up to me and the Lord. Have you learned to judge others favorably and give them the benefit of the doubt? I need to work on that one. I like to rush to judgment. (laughs) I like to throw the first stone. (laughs) Stop that! And judge others favorably. You want to be judged favorably? Judge others favorably. Doesn't work 100% of the time because some people are just scorners and there's nothing you can do. But by and large, let's give people the benefit of the doubt. They were crazy that day. (laughs) They came to their senses. Next, have you learned that being honest and trustworthy is not just the best policy, it's the only policy? Thank you. Have you learned that being humble is more important than your ego? (laughs) Have you learned to admit when you're wrong? Rather than keep trying to justify your mistakes. Yeah, no, I blew that one. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Have you learned to be faithful and reliable so others can count on you? 
Have you learned to speak positive, faith-filled words instead of negative ones? Have you learned to be gracious? To show respect and kindness to others? Amen? And finally, our biblical principles and standards still guiding your life. All right? Now, why does all this matter? Because it's evidence. Make your own list. Take time to figure out how the the Spirit is working in you and what things need to happen in your life for you to keep going forward. The fact is, we all have a divine destiny to fulfill, don't we? And we don't want any person, any devil coming in and stealing what God has planned. So, So here's the deal. Back to James, Yaakov. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So it's all boiled down to that. Be a blessing to the less fortunate and be a moral person. And in these last days, if we'll do that, God will lift you up and raise you up. Your light will rise up out of obscurity. Yes, you will enjoy uh, many of the earthly treasures, but even more importantly, you'll go into eternity with a warehouse full of heavenly treasure. And boy, will that be a good feeling when you hear, Well done, Mr. Scott Sigmund. Well done my good and faithful servant. So who's ready to renew their commitment to laying up treasures in heaven? I see all your hands, so give the Lord a big hand clap of praise. You're on your way.